times Feelings in my still waters Sometimes Oh, praise the Lord
precious Lord, precious Lord of wisdom, I see after all these years, after all these years, oh yes Lord, we thank you, we thank you, we
Father, we give you thanks tonight for the privilege that we can come in your presence and we can have this service. We can engage yourself in worship choruses and songs. We can lift our hearts to you, Lord, and most important, most important of all is that you can reach down by your spirit and touch our lives. Indeed, Lord, we need more of your spirit, more of your presence, more of your power in every one of our services. God, tonight we pray for those gathered here in this assembly. We pray for those following us and joining us online that you would touch your people, Father. God, we live in an age where we're good listeners, but few want to follow the path. Help us, O oh God, to live for you. Help us to walk according to your principles. Bless his service tonight, we ask, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name and for his glory. Amen and amen and amen. We had a good service on the weekend, and I thought, um, strange title for a message, Noah, Daniel, and Job. But the Lord chooses to use three classical examples in the scripture, not individuals that were totally perfect, but individuals that the Lord processed and took them to perfection. And when I think about Job, there's no end to talking about Job. And the amazing testimony he has, his ups, and his downs in one book. Um, it would have been a short book if Job had no flaws. God said, perfect and upright. In the sight of God, God describes you according to what he sees you to be. When he told Balaam not to curse Israel, because he says, I see no iniquity. In, in God's people, God said, I see no iniquity, but they were full of iniquity. But you see, God does not live in time where he sees today and then he's wondering what's going to happen tomorrow. God lives in eternity, and the best human description I can have for eternity, it is there is no distinction, distinction of present, past, nor future. So God sees the end product. All of that we are doing here, it's like a moment in God's sight. We are enduring one year and 10 years and 20 years and 50 years and 70 years and however many years it takes. For God, he knows what he wanted to, to start and then he finishes that product. And when I asked Brother Terry to sing that song on on Sunday concerning the canvas. It is a message I preached some time ago called the canvas. And it is what God is doing. He takes your life, my life, and he processes it. God's purpose was never to give us a good education and all kinds of classical ability. God's purpose of the church was to help us to live godly. And the definition of living godly could be misunderstood. Someone says, well, I pray. 
No, that's not living godly. That's a part of what it takes. But living godly is coming to that place of maturity where you can sit with Christ in his kingdom and rule with him. 1,000 years it takes God to establish the kingdom. And that is because he has 144,000 overcomers with him that are not motivated by their emotions. They're not motivated by carnal, a carnal mindset, nor a religious fantasy of any sort. They live for God. They make proper judgment. And Isaiah talks a little bit about this in, in Isaiah the 11th chapter. Uh, he says here concerning Jesus, uh, when Isaiah is writing concerning Jesus, he says here in, in Isaiah the 11th chapter in verse 1, it says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. He says, A rod shall come forth out of the stem of Jesse and a branch. These are all terminologies that are used to describe Jesus. And shall grow out of his roots. And he describes what I would like to think is the seven spirits of God that John saw before the throne of God in Revelation, the fourth chapter. He says, the spirit of the Lord, spirit number one, uh, shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom, that's number two. Spirit of understanding, that's number three. The spirit of counsel, number four. The spirit of might, number five. The spirit of knowledge, number six. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord, number seven. Now pause with me for a moment here and think about it. If Jesus would be having 144,000 overcomers with him governing the kingdom, and symbolically the 144,000 are described as his bride, Jesus would never be unequally yoked. <clears throat> Whenever Tom, Dick, Harry, Jones, and Brown think that they can just shout hallelujah and be in the bride of Christ, that's not so. To be in the bride of Christ demands a life of overcoming. And it says here in the very next verse, and he shall, God shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord that he will not judge according the sight of his own eyes or reprove after the hearing of his ears. Um, in other words, if you're to be in the bride of Christ, you have to have all seven spirits working in your life. See, we have this feeling that we'll come and sit in church, sing some choruses, live a schizophrenic lifestyle. One, when we're in church, we're Christians. When we're out of church, we're non-Christians. That can't happen. You will never, ever be in the bride of Christ if that's your attitude. And when Jesus sits on the throne and he has 144,000 little Jesuses, they think alike. And that is why the 14th chapter of Revelation describes this 
a group of overcomers as having the Father's nature written in their forehead. That is, they're not just, you just don't have your own carnal nature. No, you have the Father's nature. Sister Chandri and I were talking today, and she was telling me that she has this common interest for anyone she meets. When she sees someone, she wants to say something. And I thought I used to be the strange person that do that. Every person I meet, I like to say something. And even though I might feel like I might never qualify to be in the bride of Christ, if God raises me up and put me in the kingdom, every single soul that I meet, I have an interest in. Every single individual that I encounter, I have an interest in. And we were talking because uh, down the street where I live, you know, the kids, um, I think the kids, they know me. And they're particular children that would not be happy if they pass my house and don't uh, scream out to me and call my name or say grandpa or something like that. And I'm telling Chandri, I said, you know, it pleases me when I live somewhere and a little, yesterday I'm doing something in front and I'm sitting there and I just hear a voice next to me say, hello. And when I turn up, there was this cute little face uh, with a box, with a, she went picking strawberries. And she brought her, she left her parents five houses down and she asked him permission to run to me. She's less than eight years old. And she runs to me at her strawberry and she says, I brought strawberries if you want some. And I'm sure she picked that herself. And she's offering me. I know I don't like strawberries, but I took one. I said, I'd like to have one. And I took one. But it tells you that you have to encounter with people and it's not only the people that treat you nice. You have to appreciate everyone that's, that you encounter in the world. The man that hates you, you must love. The man that loves you, you must love. The man that does not even know you exist. Job took time in finding out the needs of individuals. And this is Jesus, when the kingdom is established, he will govern the world with righteousness and judge the poor with equity. So Chandri says, uh, we were talking and I says, um, well, what good did we do today? And you know, we went, we, like when we go in somewhere, people around there, after a while, there is an air about you that people appreciate you even though they don't know you. A compliment to someone. A good word to someone. Don't look around for the garbage in the neighborhood. Look around for the gems and precious stones that might exist around you. And attitude is very important. Remember Helga? She says attitude is because you have a good gratitude to God. And it controls your attitude. And so when I'm thinking of all of these individuals, you think about 
you encountering you're 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 a child of God that's living in the world and I could go back and we can look at Ephesians 4 and when he ascended on high what's the purpose of all of this what's the purpose of coming to church why are we here well um, I hope you come here tonight so I can get your offerings is that why you're here Somebody said to me, why did you stop the Sunday night? You would lose the offerings. I'm not running church because of the offerings. When God blesses the people, the offerings help to maintain the church. But the church can never depend on the offerings. It is God that provides for the work, his work. And whether he uses offerings or he doesn't use, it, use offerings, it is God that provides for his work and our attitudes are to be developed I have a little book I read some time ago it said choose your attitude and change your life an attitude is important and if there are not individuals with a negative attitude around you you're never given an opportunity to change your attitude are you listening to me alright and so when we're looking at this scripture here, it says, With righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth, smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Uh, when we say the rod of his mouth, he, out of his mouth come the two-edged sword. He's not judging according to the seeing of the eye. He's not judging according to what he hear people say. But what comes out of his mouth? The word of God becomes the principle that individuals are judged by. You think Jesus would just run around and slaughter individuals? No. The word of God says the wages of sin is death. And so I'm leaving Isaiah chapter 11. And I'm coming back to our favorite scripture in John 3.16. Uh, where John is writing here and and what I'm telling us tonight is that we got to start living for God and stop talking about God well some of us don't even talk about God there was a time when you meet with individuals they bring up the Word of God becomes predominant someone says I want to I want to have a conversation with you what is the conversation I want to find out about some scriptures not anymore. People's interests have changed. The ungodly society we live in has caused our minds and our finesse, spiritual finesse, to, to deteriorate. And here in John 3.16, John writes and he says like this, and we know the scripture. He says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He says, God sent not his Son to in this world to condemn the world Jesus did not come to condemn the world a lot of us feel like God is judging me no your actions and your life is judging you today I was thinking I'm sitting there and my thoughts are running through you know and I still do a little bit of a gardening different kind I just get old clip dead flowers and so I'm sitting there I'm thinking I'm thinking, you know, we might not all get healed. We might not all get healed. But 
God is a good God. Does God remove lumps that could be cancerous and they disappear? How do you know? Because of Nadine's testimony. God did that. Do you have other problems that God didn't heal? Yes, you have other problems, but you have that occasional miracle. Chandri had something called interstitial cystitis. And the doctor says, what? Incurable. Isn't that right? There is no cure for interstitial cystitis. And when you go to the doctor, he says, I can't find interstitial cystitis. What you say? Hey, doc, check again. You're not right. No. You said, well, doc, I serve a living savior and he's in the world today. And I don't care what the medical people say and what cannot be cured and what can be cured. God can do miracles. I got other problems, doc, that he allowed to still remain. But miracles do happen. And we've got to come to the place of believing God. And it says here, Jesus did not come to condemn the world. No. They, he says, the, the world, he did not come to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He came to save an already condemned world. And as you listen to me tonight, the spirit of Jesus will save the lost. And today we are talking, and I, I don't know if I told Chandri or whoever I told, but I said, I look at Melanie coming in. She's not here tonight. But look at Melanie coming in. I saw somebody says, Melanie, um, uh, you know, uh, poor little person. No, I look at Melanie, and she's more faithful than some Christians. And when she comes in, I look at her, and her hand goes up appropriately when it's time to worship God and to praise God. Do you know I see her weep while she's sitting in that pew? She cries. What is she crying for? Well, I don't know why she's crying. Well, you should. Because if she is touched by God and God is giving her simple mind a chance to weep, what's wrong with us? Hold your finger in John chapter 3. I'm leaving Isaiah 11. But leave your finger from John chapter 3. And let's back up a little here to Matthew chapter 19. And when... You see, we're talking about developing the mind of Christ. And the nature of Christ. And living for God. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus spoke. Uh, he said, they said, a, a young ruler came to him. Isn't that right? He says, a rich young ruler came to him. And... Um, in verse 16, it says, Behold, one came unto him and said, Good master, what shall I do that I may have eternal life? Young man, neatly dressed, came to Jesus and says he was described as a rich young ruler. It says, let me read that again, verse 16. And behold, one came unto him and said, Good master, what good thing must I do that I may have eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? 
There is none good but God one, that is, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. It says if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now keep the commandments might sound like a vague something. It means live according to God's principles. Obey the commandments. And he went on here, he says, and he said unto him, which? He said unto Jesus, which commandment must I keep? And Jesus said unto him, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, that and thy mother, and thou shalt love the, thy neighbor as yourself. And the rich young ruler said unto him, All these have I kept from my youth up. What yet lack I yet? He says, Since I was a young man, I kept all these commandments. My parents taught me how to keep them. Isn't that amazing that a young man come to Jesus and he says, I've kept all these commandments that you're telling me about. I, I did not commit murder. I did not commit adultery. I did not steal. I did not bear toll lies. I honored my parents. He says, and I love my neighbor as myself. Here was a man that kept the commandments. He was like Paul in Philippians, the third chapter. And Jesus said, young, said to the young man, <clears throat> he says, And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, if you'll be complete. See, this question, if thou wilt be perfect. Suppose it was you. Suppose you had come to Jesus and said, Lord, what must I do that I might inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to you, you want to be perfect? If this question was directed to you, what will God ask you? That you have not done? Of course, we might get stalled at the commandments. We might not be able to say all these have I kept from my, from my youth. But if the Lord says, if you want to be perfect, here is what you need to do. You know what? Every one of us sitting here knows very well what we should do. To come to the place of maturity. The apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists were giving for the maturing of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. Till. Don't stop until we develop the spirit of Christ. The fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Not one individual will rule and reign with Christ that has human flaws and human mistakes and fail to have proper human judgment. And he goes on here. He says, <clears throat> go sell all that you have. He reached on into this young man's life and found the idols. I kept the commandments, but I have idols. And Jesus said, go sell all that you have, that your dad passed on to you, all your riches, sell it, and give it to the guy that does not like to work. 
the loser on the street. I was talking to Brother Joe this morning. It was Brother Joe I was talking to. And I was telling him, there's a lady. She looks like she's not so good with her up there. And she comes and she goes to the bin next door and try to take out the stuff from there and take it away. And individuals feel she's disgusting. You want to call the police and lock her up? Can I tell you a secret? You want to hear a secret? I prayed for that woman. I prayed for her because some months ago, before she had lost it, I pulled my van up in front of McDonald's. And she was sitting out there with a drawing tablet in her hand. And she was neatly putting some whatever she was doing, drawing something, sitting perfectly. And I took a picture of her. And she did not know I was sitting in my van. I took a picture because I thought it was the perfect Norman Rockwell painting that I took. And I gave Nadine, I say, see if we can duplicate that and give me a, a, a printout of it. And I like to paint that. Now see, it's the same mad lady walking down the street. But when I saw her that day, there was something beautiful about her. And before I can condemn her, I must pray for her. Do you pray for Melanie? Yes. Do you pray for Winston? Look, he's sitting in the back. Yes. I pray for Winston. Who else you pray for? The only person I haven't prayed for yet maybe is the devil. But I pray for individuals that I encounter on a daily basis. Who do you think I pray for this morning? The little girl that came to tell me I'm her most favorite person in the street. She did that years ago. Before COVID, she had walked up there. She was about four years old. She walked up and she left her grandmother and ran to me. And she said, you're my most favorite person. I said, how come? She said, because you have the nicest flowers. <laughs> I said, what's your name? She said, Charlie. I said, I call everybody Charlie. I call my grandsons Charlie. I call my daughter Charlie. I call my wife Charlie. I call everybody when I want to call a name. I say, okay, Charlie, come. I said, your name is Charlie for real? She said, yes. And she brought the strawberries to me yesterday. What do you think happened this morning in my prayer meeting by myself? Charlie's name came up. Because I am not God, but if God cares for every sparrow that flies in this world, wouldn't he care for us? Wouldn't he care for humanity? Yes. Doesn't he have a feeling for people, individuals around? And so Jesus told this young man, he says, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now, one of the hardest things for people to do is follow the preacher. They didn't follow Jesus either. Why would I think they want to follow me? Talk to individuals and say, well, I'm not, I don't like Facebook. That's okay. You can like whatever you want. 
I was showing Brother Terry today. I brought him here. He doesn't have a computer and look at things like that. So I show him. I said, I post you on Facebook and your song on Facebook. And look at the amount of people that liked it. I didn't tell him the other part. The other part of that, and now I'm going to say it. Look at the amount of people that liked it that are not even a part of our church. The church people did not respond. The sinners did. Are you listening to me? Because we are judged by our response to situations around us and Jesus told him to follow and he said then Jesus said to Jesus and he the young man heard the saying and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions then said Jesus unto his disciples verily 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 I say unto you that rich men shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven and again I say unto you, it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle. The eye of a needle was a small gate on the walls of Jerusalem that was called the eye of a needle. I'm not talking about a sewing needle's eye. But the eye of a needle was a small gate and the camel had to really stoop to go through that. He said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And then he made some statements here. Uh, further on uh, in that chapter I think um, he says with men it is impossible but with God all things are possible the disciple asked him this question in verse 25 they said who then shall be saved who then shall be saved and Jesus says can anyone be saved you see I'm thinking how easy it is for people to be saved Peter said, if the righteous scarcely be saved. You see the saved thing that we're talking about? I'm so glad Jesus set me free. It's their songs. But few people are saved. And when you're saved, your life continues to change, to improve. Not deteriorate. As your knowledge increases, you become exalted. Pride destroyed the devil. And pride can destroy you because he uses pride. That is why Paul says, don't ordain a novice lest he be being lifted up with pride. Fall into the same condemnation of the devil. And we are given individuals on a daily basis that we need to love and to honor. And to, and to be able to show sympathy and empathy for. There's a scripture I want and it is if you can find it for me. It says... Jesus said, even the public and the harlots will enter into the kingdom before you. Beautiful scripture. I got it in chapter 21 of Matthew. It says here, uh, what think he? A certain man had two sons, verse 28. Matthew chapter, 20, uh, chapter 21, verse 28. And what think he? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, son, go work in the vineyard. <clears throat> now think about it. A man has two sons, and he's going to send these boys out to work in the vineyard. And his name was not Nadine, that has two sons. Oh, no. You have two sons too, right? Okay. He has two sons, and he sends them out to work. And the first one says, um, he, say, he answers, I will. He says, I will not. 
defiant, isn't he? He says, I'm not going to go. And you stand by there and listen to us. That little rebel. Won't you? Won't you? If you're standing close by and two boys are there and the dad says, Hey, listen, sons, go work in the vineyard. And the first one says, I am not going. Won't you call him a rebel? Yeah. Well, let's read about him. He says, I will not. But afterwards, he felt sorry about it and he went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said to the second, and the second says, I go, sir. But he went not. You know, the first one is the rebellious guy. Don't look like he's going to be saved. The second one is willing to sing the song in church and disobey God outside. And that is why the first thing the Lord will say when he, when he, the first thing he said to the seven churches of Asia Minor, he says, I know your works. It's not what we do in church or how we sing in church or how we preach in church or how we talk in church or how much knowledge we have in church. It is how much is that knowledge changing your life? That is important. Are you showing more sympathy? Are you there for people you meet on a daily basis? Do you not open the door and let someone through? Do you push your way around or you let give way to individuals that can do things? And I thought I came this morning and brother, it's very hot outside today. And I saw brother Joe about to go cut the grass at the back. And I said, no, don't cut it. Things are not important as life. His life is more important than the grass at the back. What do you think? Yes. I said things are not as important as life is. And I prefer, prefer you to stay alive. And I've learned that the hard way that at our age we can only do so much. Am I right? We live with that on a daily basis. We learn not to look at our phone or our, or our monitor while we're climbing the step. You can stop and then look at it and then continue, but don't look at anything while you're climbing steps or walking. You'll stomp your toe and you'll get hurt. Why is all of this talking about? Well, let's go on further on. And Jesus went on and he says, Whither of the twain, verse 31, he said to his disciples, Whither of the twain did the will of the Father? And they said unto him, The first. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, The publicans, he's talking to the religious people, he says, The publicans, them sinners, and the harlots, the people you point your finger and condemn, shall do what? will go into the kingdom of God before you. Isn't that a strong statement? We already know straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. We know except the Lord of Sabbath has left us a small remnant, there is no flesh to be saved. 
We know that Jesus said, fear not, little flock. And then we look at the church and we say, good attendance. God looks at the life after we leave the door. And he sees how many individuals are changed. And if we cannot adjust our lives and encounter individuals, and I started to say by Facebook, and some, you know what one person told me? I got off Facebook because I don't like Facebook. There's a lot of things I don't like about Facebook, but I don't expose myself to it. I go onto my page, I deal with my page, and I'm done. I don't have to fish around whole day sitting and watching. No, I'm fishing around what I do, and I'm finished. And I told Brother Joe, I gotta go and download all his lessons, and I'll probably see if I can download that on the website and start putting that because I'm not into this electronic thing, but I preach the gospel on that. And I hope individuals, I don't care to have Facebook disciples. I write to have real disciples. Individuals that will listen to the word I preach and count it as the word of God. He that receiveth the prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive the benefits that come of the prophet's message. But familiarity breeds contempt to the non-elect. Familiarity breeds contempt. The statement out here is familiarity breeds contempt, right? I have changed that. Familiarity breeds contempt only to the non-elect. Familiarity to the elect develops confidence. And Jesus said here, he says, the publicans and the harlots will enter into the kingdom of you. For John came unto thee and preached the way of righteousness, and you believed not. But the publicans and the harlots, they believed him, and they will enter into the kingdom. And the religious and elite people in Jesus' day would not enter into the kingdom. And so when we look at individuals like these men, we talked about David, um, Noah, and Daniel, and Job. They were men that had a life that they had to deal with individually, and yet God had to process them. And so God must process each one of us. Uh, we must understand these these process the processing method. I want to go back here just briefly. I've got five minutes of my time left, but I want to go back into Job, and I want to uh, find here uh, Job in chapter twenty nine. Job is making some statements. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said. Oh, that I were in months past, in the days when God preserved me. Don't we all wish that we were back when we were healthy? When there was no pains, no aches? Don't we all wish we could go back and change the time, the hand of clock, the clock, and see if we can go back and reverse time? But you know what? 
I had a brother ask me one time, he says, Brother Singh, if you had a choice to choose an age, which one would you want to become? If you had the power to God give you the choice to change your age, uh, I must have been about 60 at that time, or maybe less. He says, what would you want to be? I say, you know, 30, 35, sounds like a good age to be like. But if I go back to be 35, and I'm as dumb as I was, like when I was 35, then I prefer to remain as I am. Give me the arthritis, give me the little pains, the little ache, and I will remain as I am. And so Job went on here, and here was a man in times past. What did he do? Just rob people? No. He says, oh, I were like in the months past, in the days when God preserved me. When his candle shined upon my head. When his light, I, by his light I walked in darkness. When I was in the days of my youth, when the secret or the, uh, the uh, friendship of God was upon me and my tabernacle, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were round about me, when I washed my steps with butter. You ever heard anyone say, my, I washed my steps with butter? I mean prosperity. He didn't mean literal butter, but when I said my bread is not buttered, you know what that means? It means I'm not doing so good. When I said your bread is well buttered, it's a terminology to show that you're prosperous. He says, I wash myself, my steps with butter, and the rock poured me out rivers of oil. When someone tried to get a business operating and it's not functioning, give it a job. He make rocks pour out oil. When it would not work for other individuals, it worked for Job. He says, when I went out to the gate, through the city, when I prepared my seat in the street, individuals would respect me. He says, the young men saw me and hid themselves, and the age arose and stood up. The princes refrained from talking. You ever talk to somebody, they don't give you a chance to talk? When I used to speak to Brother Goodwin and I hear him speaking, I'm quiet. If I'm to say something and he starts talking, I go quiet. Because he's my teacher. Now this world that we're living in, this world everybody stops you and cut you off and they have more to say. We're talking about developing the right spirit. Job had the right spirit. He says the nobles held their peace and that their tongue clave to the roof of their mouth. When the air heard me, it blessed me. And when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me. Uh, that's how we ought to be in our society that we live. Individuals must be blessed when they meet you. That's what God, and Job says, I wish those days would happen. Now he's suffering. He's got boils all over and God hasn't healed him yet. And he says, because I delivered the poor that cried. Isn't that something? He says, the poor people, when they cried, I was there to help them. I deliver the poor that cried. And the fatherless and him that had none to help him, <clears throat> the blessing of him that was ready to die came upon me. 
and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. What a man. She, now, he was not a Christian, but a man, he was a Christian. The word Christian never existed in Job's days, but he was a Christian. And if we're to have ever accomplish anything for God, we've got to come to this place. And then he goes on further. He says, I put on righteousness and he clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. I was a good person to judge characters. I was there to help people. Not to condemn people, not to throw people in the garbage. He says, I was eyes to the blind. And I was feet to the man that was lame. I was father to the poor. And the cause that I don't, didn't know. He says, I searched out. This man, when he was alive on this earth, he would not wait to find out somebody knocking his door and says, please help me. No, he looked at individuals and searched out, who can I help today? I like this man. He's a man I can pattern after. Because he did not know Jesus, but he had sure had the Spirit of Christ working in his life. Because the Spirit of Christ that we want to develop, the Father's name written in our forehead, is to come to the place of living what we believe in. Christ would not be unequally yoked. His bride must have the Father's name written in their head, in their forehead. In their mouth must be no guile. They must be without fault before the throne of God. These are they that follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. May God help us that we can come to the place of being able to follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. And so, most of the people I know in this planet, and in this fellowship, and are involved in religion, in coming up to sit in the Bride of Christ. It is a select company that will sit and rule and reign with Christ. May God help us that we live a life that the harlots would not be more dedicated than we are. Listen to me carefully. The race is not for the swift. It's not for the strong. It's for those that endure unto the end. So may God give me that empathy and feeling and heart and concern for individuals. May I look for individuals that cannot help themselves and pray for them. And yet at the same time, I'm not an Absalom trying to win people to my favor. No. There, there is Winston sitting at the back. Winston, it's good to see you. Are you reading that Bible I gave you? Yes. I'm glad you do. And you know what? I pray for you, Winston. I pray that God will help you in life. I really do. Amen. I pray for individuals that you might not even know exist. And that is the attitude we must have. We must be able to represent Christ. That is what 
John meant when he said in the 15th chapter of John's Gospel that we, the branch that beareth not fruit, the Father will cut off. Because the purpose of the church is for us to bear fruit, fruit of the Spirit, if you please, that we might come to the fullness of the measurement and the stature of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Pray with me. Father, we thank you tonight for another Wednesday night. We pray, Lord, that you would let this lesson challenge our lives to live for you. Help us, Father, to live for you. Help us to serve you, O God, and to serve the community that we are in. Help us to be lights in this dark world, Father. Element of joy when we touch those that are not saved. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen.